as her handling of it? Yeah, because like um, I wrote it down. Like okay. the question was like, how bad was it at first? Like guide me if yeah. I get off. Yeah. All right. You need to pull me to a certain point. Mm -hmm. You're the interview. Do your thing. Okay. All right. So we're just gonna give a short in like intro first. Okay. So do you want to say? It? Oh sure. Hi everyone, welcome to our first episode of our podcast. We will be interviewing our Biomed Human Body Systems teacher today. We'll be taking a look into a more personal story of how he has been left with the loss of losing a close friend to ALS. Please let us know if any time during this you are uncomfortable with answering a question. Okay. So, I think it's it should be fine. Should be fine. Okay. Um, just, could you give us a backstory on your friend? Yeah. So, high school friends, right? So we go back pretty far. We're looking at what, 15, 14, 15 years old is when we met. Um, Marie Wright High School, English class actually. Um, been friends for a very long time, through college, uh, after college, you know. Um, my kids call her Auntie Sam. Right, so really close family friend. Um, watched each other grow up, pretty much. As I went away to school, we stayed stayed in contact. Back then, we would write letters, right? I know you guys don't do that now, right? But we would write letters. I probably still have some letters and cards from her from like freshman year. Um, so yeah, yeah, really good friends from a really long time ago. So when did you find out about her diagnosis? Ironically, found out about her diagnosis when she had come down from Arizona. Um, we had a mutual friend who had just died from cancer. So she, we had come to the funeral and she was um, being, had assistance with walking, kind of a cane. And so that's when we found out. She really didn't want to say much, the kind of person she was, you know, she didn't really want to tell you what was going on. But it was pretty obvious at that point and that's when we found out that she had been diagnosed earlier with it and she was just trying to fight through it mentally hoping that the uh, diagnosis was incorrect so she really had trouble accepting the fact that she had it um, so that's when we found out was like when she got out of her car she needed help getting out of her car and so um that's when we all found out that Simia had ALS um, she explained it to us because no one really knew what it what it was um, and that would be when yeah that's when we all found out that she had it how did you take this new information did were you sad were you how did you feel sad for my friend right mm -hmm. um, so growing up a person of faith and she too was a person of faith somehow in the back of your mind you want to believe that all things are possible and that anything can be overcome, right? So, personally, I deal with things kind of weird. You know, I like to believe that they can go away, right? So, um, initially, she was looking forward to, uh, you know, another doctor to give her some different news. And I'm hopeful that she's hopeful, hoping to also hear different news. But knowing what I know now, that was folly. Um, the inevitable was inevitable. So, I was sad um, at that point that she even had the diagnosis and that she was no longer able to move around. Um, 
you know, just having so many conversations about jogging and staying fit and staying healthy, knowing how, even if this was a temporary phase, how it would impact her day to day, you know, so wishing she could recover so she can get back to what she was enjoying. She was at a place in her life where things were starting to gel together, right? Um, the job that she wanted, um, degree that she had sought, she had just completed a lot of, a lot of milestones, just entered a relationship. Um, so I was disappointed that those things were, were not on track, you know, that was my feelings, hoping that, Hey, we could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And also sad that it was even there initially. You want me to just keep going on how the feeling changed through the time or you is could. there another question? Okay. So over time, once I went and did my homework on, on it, realized that, no, this is what it is. And she had progressed through it. She was progressing, right? Uh, there were no changes in the trajectory. And I became a little bit concerned with her not accepting it, that the longer she fought it, um, it wouldn't serve her well emotionally and mentally, right? Just not accepting it. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted her to embrace, because with this, you have a due date, right? I was, as it progressed, I wanted her to enjoy what she had left, right? She was always so busy fighting the fact that she had it, that she still wanted to go to work, she still wanted to do this. She was making plans to do things that were never gonna happen. But you don't wanna tell your friend that, right? Because you want them to remain hopeful. And so it was kind of tough watching her struggle. Uh, she had to move back home, right? Because she got to the place where she was no longer able to, to uh, take care of herself. So without the mobility, without having her legs, uh, being out of town, having strangers take care of you is just not the same. So she moved home with her sister, but even then they were older siblings and you have to lift this person up to use the restroom and to do everything. And they're gone throughout the day. And so once you can't move around, you're stuck in a chair all day long. So ultimately she was in a nursing home and even there she left a pair of shoes by her bed. Hopes that her prayers would be answered that she would one day be in her shoes and could walk again around the park. Ironically, she ended up in a facility not far from where she grew up during high school years. And there was a beautiful park there that she used to love to walk around called Belle Isle. And so she's so close to it and yet unable to go, go see it. So watching her beat herself up for not believing that she was a strong enough prayer or didn't have the right prayer group. And she would find ways to blame herself for something that had nothing to do with her. And that hurt to watch her do that to herself. Because, you know, I can't interject things that would just cause more upset, her to be more upset. So just kind of support her, saying, hey, no, this isn't on you, you know? This is, and wanting to speak the language that was comfortable, that this too must be part of God's will, right? Um, so eventually she gets to a place where, you, you know, the, the timetable leg leg arm arm ultimately breathing becomes even more laborious so your hands are your communication they're your lifeline this day and age call a friend you need your fingers right and even that you couldn't talk much because you know getting tired right uh 
So then you one hand goes, so you get hopefully it's not your dominant hand. And in her case, it wasn't. So she still had her dominant hand to text and to change the remote control. Shortly after, and I mean shortly after, that hand goes. So you are now just in a body. You're at the whim of whomever comes to assist you or comes to see you. Um, Communication is getting more faint, but because you know I kind of been going through it with her, we kind of had developed a way of communicating where I would ask her questions that only required yes or no's for the most part, not too much expounding. Um, but the disease is tricky where that it only damages your motor neurons, not your sensory, not your interneurons. So your cognitive abilities, you're still in there. All your hopes, dreams, wishes, your intelligence is just locked in a box. Sensory, you feel everything. When you move your leg the wrong way, you can't move it back, but you can feel that sensation of your foot being crooked. If your hair is in front of your face, you can't move it. If clothing becomes bunched up, you're stuck there. If someone takes you to the facilities to use it or well, brings the facilities to you and it's time to wipe, they may not wipe correctly, which was a big issue, right? Because you're left damp, right? And that's not the way you want. She was a particular type of person who carried herself a particular type of way. And to have someone else not take care of you in that fashion, I hate saying that, right? It bothered me. And I really would become upset when professionals wouldn't listen. Um, a doctor came in and would move her leg aggressively to move her over. And I'm telling him to stop because she can feel that, right? And it causes little cramps is what you're feeling. And then he tells me, oh, no, no, she's fine. And then I have to stop and say, no, she's not. And you don't want to produce this kind of angst in the room because you're also worried about what kind of care will they give them when you're gone, right? So you're trying to balance this being polite and at the same time, protecting your friend. Um, I hated the fact that she was in a facility, right? With elderly, and they just drain your bank accounts, right? And that seems to be their only concern. Uh, charge you for every little thing because now you're in their hands. So she's a, she was very mindful about her finances. So I understood this to be a problem for her, which is why it became a problem for me because she knew that she was being drained financially and anything that she thought that she might be able to leave to a niece was not going to be available, right? So seeing the world through her eyes and knowing what she was experiencing caused me a bit of frustration as well. And so I found myself, you know, trying to politely tell people what they're going into. Like, hey, so this is a person who they can feel everything you do, you know, they can't move, but they can feel it. So please be careful. Some were attentive to it, and some were just too honorary to hear an explanation from someone who they just assumed might not know as much as they did. Um, so those, those are my biggest issues. And then to watch her eventually have to make the choice of not staying. And knowing the conflict of choosing not to go based off of her belief that she's supposed to fight through things, I know how much of a struggle that was for her. Um, knowing that you're never gonna breathe for yourself, there will be a machine. You're in there, you can never communicate anything to anyone. 
there were devices that we were looking at. She considered some treatments overseas in places, but it's too expensive and couldn't get there. And she had progressed too far for some trial drugs. That decision where she finally made to be taken off of life support, that was a tough one, you know? Because you know you're gonna miss your friend. And you know that you're kind of missing them before they're even gone anyway. But it was a tricky one. I, I, I tell my class that this disease, I, I've never met anything so, evil's the word that I use. Because to be locked in your body and you can't move, but you can feel everything. I, I can't imagine that. Like, I have a phobia of being in a slide and being stuck, right? It's kind of like that. You couldn't do anything. You would just be stuck there. So the decision that she made, right, I totally understand, right? I'm sad that she went to the very end blaming herself for not being able to pray herself out of it. Um, when prayers just don't work that way, right? Um, it's a beautiful thing when you're praying for something that you yourself have control over. But when it's something that is truly something that's happening, there's nothing you can do. So to watch her, um, and then you have different people who love you, who are, have good intentions, who might have a different religion coming in to pray a different religion, knowing how that was like bothering her. Because she's like, well, if you're bringing something else in, how is this interfering with my prayer that she believed was going to eventually get her to, to get up and walk? So it was tough. It really was. You know, I still miss my friend. It's been many years now. And this activity in my class where we discuss ALS, I remember when she was first diagnosed. I'm like, wow. And that's, it happened around the same time. So that's when I kind of dug deeper. Um, the next year, she had already progressed pretty aggressively through it. And I'm like, wow. By the next time, the next activity was, uh, she was gone. So it moved pretty quickly. And uh, so yeah, yeah, that was, that was my buddy. Was there ever a time that when she could still talk that she ever really told you how she felt? It's not Sam, right? Some things weren't spoken. We knew each other well enough to know what was going on. A couple deeper discussions, but nothing like, it would interfere with her belief is what the problem was, right? So to honestly say that I'm feeling this way um, would also be her saying that she didn't believe, so she didn't have that conversation. But there was one, there was one conversation that we, we kind of discussed the possibilities of things. It's kind of how I phrased it. And what she would want to do and we looked at different scenarios as it got closer I wanted her to at least have spoken some things out of how she wanted to be taken care of and so I guess that would be the deepest conversation where she kind of looked at possibilities and you know she was very sad about it of course um, different cycles where you blame different people right uh, and you start analyzing your life and the things you didn't get to do and the things you wanted to do and you wish you had done this and done that, those conversations were there. You know, I learned at that moment where how she felt like when after high school, we had kind of gone on without her because, you know, we were all going to different colleges and she didn't get to go, right? Um, so we did have some really cool conversations. Um, 
and some things I'll never discuss out loud ever, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. So we we did a little bit, but like I said, I didn't want to step on the faith part of it. After her decision to leave, and now that she is gone, how do you feel? Do you feel that you've changed in any way? Your beliefs have changed, or anything? How have I changed? Um, hmm. Outside of just making sure that moments matter, you know, I try to make sure that if a person's a friend, that they know, you know, how you feel. Um, honest about diagnosis and prognosis, you know, uh, understanding that. Uh, but outside of that, I, I don't know if I have considered this question before, so I don't have a, a good answer. If I were to come back, I might have had more time to think about the changes. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no Any problem. other questions? Any other questions? Um, Do you have any questions? No, I think that's it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you so you. much for interviewing me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah.